This is episode 381 of the 200 Churches Podcast. Let God carry what you can't carry. One of my very favorite quotes is, when you've done all that you can do, go to bed. God is still up. God is still <laughs> When you've done all that you can do, go to bed. God is still up. Don't try to handle everything yourself. Don't try to handle the tough things yourself. God promised us in both Testaments, he will never forsake us. He will never leave us. And then he's given us friends. We don't have to try to do these things that we worry about alone. We just don't. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world Good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. Hey, everyone. This is Jeff Cady. I am here to tell you that we've got a great episode for you today. Johnny joined me on the Coaching for Pastors podcast. You won't even know this isn't 200 churches because it's just Johnny and Dan and I. Let's get right into this great episode with Dan Ryland. We are here with Dan Ryland on the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Johnny, you're on the wrong podcast. Oh, are we going <laughs> to are we going to do separate intros or, or just no. just one intro for the whole no, thing? The, the two hundred churches people will listen to this and decide whether or not they want to also listen to coaching for pastors. This is the crossover episode, but on purpose this time, not like earlier this week when you put the coaching for pastors on the two hundred churches feed. You thought I, I didn't was, see Jeff? You thought I didn't? see. I was up a little bit late. Okay, <laughs> I was up a little late. Yeah, that was crazy. You know, it popped up the next morning, and I'm looking and saying, "Well, I didn't, I didn't schedule an episode. I didn't even get it. <laughs> I didn't even understand it until I actually clicked on it." Yeah. Oh, well, man. it was it was back in 2013 that we asked Dan Ryland to be a guest on our podcast, and Dan said yes nine years ago. And wow. Dan, you're. You're still around and you're still in ministry. I'm still around and still in ministry. And uh, I'm happy to be here today, hoping I add a little value. But even if I had no value whatsoever, I like being with you two guys because you cracked me up. I mean, <laughs> you, you guys entertain me. So, <laughs> well, well, we'll be here all day, Dan. <laughs> we'll be here all day. That's right. I, hey, nine, hey. nine years ago, when Dan said yes, I, I was like, wait. He said yes. He said yes to me. Now, I mean, pod, you can't like swing a dead cat without hitting a podcast out there. You can't say yes to all the podcasts. So I'm glad that we got in your date book early, Dan. So that yes, we could, well, you we could just are, get right here. You are good friends. Well, but, you sent us, you sent us two books. Leadership alone isn't enough. Forty devotions to strengthen your soul. And Dan, you sent two that we're going to send out also to two of our listeners. And so, thank you for that. But a book from Dan Ryland, who you know, kind of uh, was the support for John Maxwell's success. Everyone knows that. I mean, it's it's no secret, Dan. So don't even try to be demure about it. Um, <laughs> John John lends all of his success to you, and uh, yet you're writing a book that leadership alone, when leadership is influenced, nothing more, nothing less, but alone it isn't enough. Like, just give me your a quick, just like, what do you mean by that? 
That's a great question. Obviously, I do. I have been mentored by John, and I do deeply believe in leadership. And my great part of my calling and passion is developing leaders. I, I truly believe that you know everything rises and falls on leadership, and always will. However, the way I often say it is next to the favor of God, everything rises and falls on leadership. So. While it's of extreme importance, nothing goes forward without leadership. Um, if we attempt to do it on our own, in our own power, uh, then leadership alone just isn't enough. Uh-huh. So, so the leadership of the spirit is needed for leadership is kind of what I'm hearing. You are hearing that. You know, our walk with God, the way we engage, and it's just not always easy these days. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how does that affect a devotional life? And all those kinds of things are involved. So yay to leadership, but I think um, connected to God's power, connected to God's, your walk with God, that's what makes it come alive. I you said something on a, on a past episode with us, Dan. I don't know if it's like an ism that you have or if it's something you say aloud or if you just said it the one time, but it really, it stuck with me for a long time. You said, work like it's up to you and pray like it's up to God, I think was how you said it. Yes. Yes. And uh, man, that really, that stuck with me. And so when I hear you describing the leadership is not enough, I hear that same idea in there. Like, yeah, you got to be a leader, but the day you believe that it's your leadership capacity uh, that is out front then that will be probably the last day of your influence, which pretty is much, pretty much. Because, so, yeah. you know, the, the frightening thing or scary thing, Johnny, is that we can build a church in the flesh. That is possible. We, we I call that muscling a church up. Um, but they don't last, and they certainly don't have eternal mm. impact. And um, and you get exhausted. And the, there's a flip side of that record is, is that you can do all the things in the right way as a godly man or woman, and it doesn't have to work. It just mm. doesn't have to work. But our hope of it actually working is the power of God. And uh, so we might say a grand duh to all that, except I get to coach leaders for decades across the country and still even more now. And I find that we it's not that it's not that uh, difficult to get disconnected in the pressures and the hurry of ministry from the actual source of ministry. Mm. Dan, I love, I love, excuse me, Johnny, but I love what he just said. It's not, say, say that again, it's not that It's hard. not that difficult to uh, get disconnected from the, I don't know what I said, the, dis, the to get disconnected from the source of ministry because of the demands and the busyness of ministry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and because we're ministers or pastors, we think, oh yeah, it, it would be hard. Most people would think, oh yeah, it would be hard for pastors to get disconnected from God. I mean, that's their calling. That's their, <laughs> their full-time gig, right? But you're saying it really isn't that hard to get disconnected. And I think just acknowledging that and speaking that out loud, because I think every one of us pastors would know that, but man, it was good for you to hear that because it's a warning that's a that's a warning shot across the bow to us to to pay attention and uh johnny go ahead i interrupted yeah. you yeah i well i was i i love that as well because i think so often i mean as you guys both know leadership ministry we are run i maybe maybe just me you guys okay but we are run by the tyranny of the urgent so that's often right. that's right and soul care it will never be urgent until until you're like burned out, like laid out on the ground. Right. And so 
yeah, it is easy to lose track of that work uh, in the midst of everything. So Dan, I guess I wonder, you know, I love this idea. I love the core concept that you're getting at. And I suppose, um, you know, there's 16, you know, million ways to express that. You could have just written a, a ministry leadership book and called it Leadership Alone Isn't Enough. You did something different uh, to uh, get this idea across and you wrote a devotional. Talk to yeah. me about that choice versus, you know, just a standard nonfiction, you know, leadership type of book. Why do a devotional and what was the thought process there? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, we don't need, there, there are what, seven gazillion devotionals. We don't need really another devotional. I mean, I, I appreciate all the brilliant writers who write brilliant devotionals. I don't know that I'll ever try to do this again. It was an extraordinary amount of work. Uh, <laughs> um, but but uh, so why another one? Well, in one way I would answer this by this isn't just another one. I did some research and found, I think, with a pretty hard target search, about three, maybe, that were devotionals written directly, specifically, and uniquely to church leaders. Mm. So this this devotional is written with 40 devotions, each one formed around a select scripture passage that relates directly to the life and ministry of church leaders. And and uh, so it's. I think the uniqueness is it's very much written to leaders and people who are in leadership. And um, it actually, to tell you a really quick backstory, it actually started as a, so I'm always wanting to resource pastors. I love pastors, sure, love churches, yeah. and I'm always wanting to resource them. And it started off as a simple idea as, as a little ebook I was going to do with the top 30 go-to New Testament scriptures for pastors. Hmm. And I did, a, I did a blog post a gazillion years ago on that, and it was it went over well. And so I thought, well, why don't I just do a little ebook? And put some a little bit of commentary, and send that out, and just all the all they can everybody can have it. And I started writing, and then the Holy Spirit started prompting, and it started turning into more commentary, and got a little bit more involved, and got more wrapped in the Scripture, putting biblical, I mean, leadership stuff in inside. And all of a sudden, it started to turn into this: like, what is this? What is going on? Maybe this is supposed to be a book. Maybe this is supposed to be a devotional. And then, sure enough, so I got pretty involved in it. And God threw me a curveball. He said, I don't want, he literally said, I don't want 30 or 31 scriptures. I don't want a 30-day thing. He said, I, I want 12 psalms included. So I want you to stop at 28. It was clear as day. Stop hmm. at 28. And I want you to write, I want you to include 12 of the psalms because I want more of a devotion. It was more, of, I guess, a devotional feel. So that's how it got to 40. And uh, here it is. Dan, as I was looking through this book, I, I got captured by something you have. On the first page of your section, prioritize your first love. Yeah. You know, I think for so many guys in ministry, uh, some of them, they've had pastors as dads. And then others of us, our dads were the furthest thing from being a pastor. You know, and we we kind of noticed those things. And, and anyway, you talk about your dad in this. Would you just give us the background there? Because I think it helps us as we listen to you and as we, you know, know who you are and the things you've done. I never knew this background about your upbringing. So just fill us in a little bit on that. Well... You want to go right to the heart real quick, don't you? <laughs> well, it colors the rest of the of the podcast. Episode. Yeah, well, I, I certainly don't mind transparency, so here, here we go. Uh, yeah, 
um, I, I consider myself a very, very blessed guy with mentors who have poured into me. However, uh, the truth of the matter is my parents divorced uh, when we were I was eight years old, and I never saw my dad again after 10 years old. Oh, wow. And, and um, so I have very little, I have a few memories, and I have one prized possession. Uh, it's my dad's army Bible. And uh, it just means the world to me. And literally inside, and I actually put it in the book. I said what was written in there. It's a, it's a little army pocket New Testament that he had in the Korean War. He was about 20 years old then. And the cover says U.S. Testament, U.S. Army, you know, New Testament, U.S. Army on the printer, imprinted on it. And inside, his handwriting says Marvin Ryland, Route 1, Stillwater, Minnesota, January 21, 1951, Heavy Mortar Company, 135th Infantry, 47th Division, along with his serial number. And that's just, there's just a connect there that goes to, you know, the whole idea of, of being known, unknown, God's love, connection, That's that kind of takes you to a very intimate place really quickly. Yeah, Dan, as I read that, my dad was born in 1931. And in 1951, he returned from Korea at the age of 20. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. So I did see my dad until I was 52 years old. Okay. Um, But his time in Korea defined, for the most part, uh, unfortunately and fortunately, it just defined the rest of his life. Mm, uh, I mm. think that, you know, what they experienced there was, was pretty significant. And also I found out that so much of my dad's alcoholism and really his, his failure to ever reach his potential in life really all goes back to that combat time in Korea that never really got resolved, you know, when he got out of there. So when I read that, I just felt a connection with you in that sense. What a fascinating thing to think our dads were there at the same time. Yeah, yeah, they were. And and here we are at the same time doing very different things yes. together, right? Yes. Right? So so connect that now. You started you started with that. How does that connect it to the lesson in that chapter on prioritize your first love from well, Matthew 22? Yeah, the, the transition there for me, at least in my writing, is that Everybody has prized possessions that we really love. I cherish that for obvious reasons that we just talked about. But there's a there's another much, much deeper level that Scripture calls us to in our love for God. And, and literally in that passage, this devotion is based upon Matthew 22, um, the love describes all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. And, and I think, honestly, sometimes it's, you know, we love people, we love ministry, staying in this theme, but it's easy to make that what I call a functional priority over Jesus. We love people, we love ministry, but I want, to, I want you to catch that phrase. It's easy to make that a functional priority over Jesus. It's not our real priority. None of us would ever say that, but it's our functional priority in this way. When we, Here's how you know. Here's how you know. What we choose to do when we run out of time reveals our functional priority, not the real one. And so, you, you know, I don't, I, I hate to admit that sometimes when I am pressed for ministry and pressed to lead and pressed to serve and pressed for meetings and I'm tight on time, I try to cheat God 
and I'll run out. I have this. I'll tell you a story since we're since I'm apparently on a counselor's couch right now. That's right. That's <laughs> right. What happens on the two hundred churches pod? Oh, I'm sorry, the coaching for pastors. The coaching for Thank pastors. Yes. Thank you, Johnny. So I'll tell you another very you know open-hearted story. Now I have a wonderful prayer room down in the basement. I love being down in my my prayer room. It's just a special holy ground for me, and I I, I I'm eager in my pursuit of it each morning. And and I remember one morning. I actually tell this story, a bit of it anyway, in the uh, introduction. When I was down, it was a good prayer time. And I remember I had, my time was short. It was just short. And I remember saying, I, 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 I almost like, I got to go. <laughs> and so I dashed out the door of my little prayer room in the basement. And I was leaving the, leaving the thing. I was just struck immediately by God, God in a gentle voice, a gentle, I wasn't a, a audible, but a gentle voice saying, uh, it's okay, but I can't be rushed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, go, I love you, you're good, I'm with you, go go do what you got to go do, but you can't rush me. If you really want what I think you want, you you need to sit with me and stay longer. And so I know mm-hmm. I, I knew I was good with God, it wasn't a guilt thing, but it was just like God was saying, you can't rush this, which spoke to me about, okay, Dan, what is your priority? And sometimes I have to confess, I think my priority in the moment was my love and passion for my ministry. And I kind of ran out the door on God for a moment. And I thought, wow. And so I just have to try to discipline myself, not discipline like in a task way, but but say, all right, then if this is your real priority, this is where you need to be. And you need to sit and be here for a bit uh, um, to, to really um, connect. Like here's, a, I'll say one more thing. I think sometimes we allow our work for God to jeopardize our walk with God. And mm-hmm. and and so I think we have to remember, I have to remember that our walk with God is what empowers our work for God. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I love the distinction between your stated priority and your functional priority. And I think everybody listening probably can imagine a moment that they've had even recently where they were pressed for time, where they were under a deadline, where they had maybe a to-do list that, um, you know, got very long and in their own life. Um, yeah. What, <clears throat> what the stated priority was somehow got uh, <laughs> slid into the side for the functional priority. So I think that's a, I think that's a good word, Dan, uh, for anybody, anybody listening today. I, um, another one that you had in here, and it's one of your Psalm um, devotionals, Dan. Okay, is uh, break free from secrets. I want you to talk about that, but first, I want you to tell me why. Maybe if you don't know why, why do you think? Uh, why do you think God told you to put some Psalms in here as opposed to just New Testament? Why the Psalms? I I, I love that question. Um, one of my concerns, just this is just fun behind the scenes stuff. One of my concerns about this devotional was I did not want it to feel like another thing on the to-do list for pastors. And because I, I write to leaders, I know how leaders like to read. And so even though it's scripture and stories and to the heart, every 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 devotional has a two or three bullets. And they're kind of to doish, you know, some action items. Sure. And so I, I was just concerned that this would um, feel like, oh my gosh, it's, now Dan's got more work for me to do, things to work on, you know. And I think the Psalms softened it. 
I think the Psalms brought a different tone spread throughout the devotional that allowed us to soak in a different way. Still, you can have two do's, but it was so pastoral in nature. I think mm. that's I think that's why they were put there. I love that. That's see, Dan. I ask because I I needed an answer like that. So that's good. Your pastoral heart, you know, executive pastor. A lot of times there's an emphasis on the executive, um, but you have that pastoral heart, man. And so that's really cool. So so that that brings up an issue that I want to ask. I just want to go back one more time, Dan. Yeah. Do, you you have really given your life to equipping people, like really equipping, training preparing people, building people. How do, you, how do you think, you know, after the age of 10, again, because I have similar experience. My dad was present, but not present. Okay. Uh-huh. And I've thought about this a lot, but how do you think the absence of a dad as a teenager uh, and as a, as a boy impacted now your voracious charge toward equipping people and helping people? Oh, um, wow. Have you thought about that? Is, there, is there any connection there? There is a connection. There is a connection. Um, and I'll come back to the break free from secret ones that you wanted to go to, but um, I think you did. So, so, wow, that's such a, you guys, this is extraordinary. This is fun. Um, I, I think I got to go forward and backward. I, I think first, um, as I said, you know, not having a dad growing up, then a stepdad who was much, much older than my mom. Hmm. Uh, I, uh, there was no mentoring or joy or love in that at all, to be candid. Hmm. However, God so blessed, I feel so extraordinarily blessed because he sent my way a series of five male mentors who came and found me, the last of which, Max John Maxwell. And so I have been poured into above and beyond any measure that I could ever communicate mm. and so grateful. So I think the first source is that my gratitude for what I've received, I would just be utterly selfish to keep all I've received to myself. So I'm passionate to see what it did for me that perhaps I can help others in the same way. And um, yeah, there's more to it, but I think I'll stop there. Yes, I, yet I lest I keep talking too much. When, when you see when you see a mom come in, a single mom come in with a boy or two, what's that do to you? Oh my gosh! Um, see, I, I I I understand exactly what's happening there, and it just it grabs you uh, immediately. And because I'm in a larger environments, and you, I, I you know what what can I do, so to speak, on all these people? That's why I love the church. Because mm. these these moms and the boys come into a place and environment like Twelve Stone, like your church, your churches, where they can get help, they can get support. Those boys can go in a in a, in a youth group or something, a student group or a class or you know whatever it might be. And who knows who might pour into them? Who knows what might happen? That's really where Joshua's Men was birthed and why it was birthed in 1987. And today, tens of thousands of guys have gone through it. And I'm blessed from Maxwell's generosity to, you know, release that content I wrote with him in Enjoy. And it's for free now, 300 and some pages of it, a year-long program. It's free at on the 12 Stone website for developing, um, you know, six, seven, eight men a year in leadership, spiritual leadership. So 
you could just see my my life is woven into that. My passion is there because it was given to me, and how could I keep all that to myself? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Johnny. Uh, I I feel bad for Dan, but I feel good for our listeners. Feel bad you, for me. You've yeah. gone off the off the outline so far now, Jeff, with these deep personal questions. <laughs> They are, but um, poor Dan. <laughs> if this helps, I'm good. I, I, I don't think I want to listen to whatever I'm saying, though. <laughs> like, what did I tell everybody? <laughs> well, there, there are just so many pastors that are just going through it, and we, we hear this all the time. And I told Johnny yesterday, I'm not. We, we, we don't do this woe is me stuff. Oh, we have it so bad. Blah blah blah. But, but there are a lot of pastors who they didn't grow up in great circumstances, and. I just want us to see that it's those very, those are the crucibles of growth and development, you know, and, and so many people that grow up with just fine, wonderful lives, there's just sometimes there's this shallowness there because there's no forming through the, the, the deep grooves of pain and suffering. There's so no that's question. important. The, yeah. The, those uh, young, uh, young aged insecurities that I would have obviously, or perhaps even an abandonment thing, you know, there's, you can't, you can't pretend those things don't exist. Uh, like Kevin Myers, our founding and senior pastor says, you know, my parents or my past uh, may explain me, but they don't excuse me. And, and so uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled to move forward with how God has blessed me, not get stuck in maybe stuff that wasn't ideal decades ago. Yeah, that's good. So we, I guess we need to get back to the break free from secrets, one of the chapters we wanted to look at. Sure. The one you mentioned, uh, or Johnny. Uh, yeah, Psalm, it uses Psalm 139. 139, uh-huh. Yeah. And and we know that one, and, and of course the the idea here is to know and be known, is the longing of every human soul. But we but I really believe we fear being found out, and I think that's biblical as well. Not the core passage, but Genesis three makes that quite clear. You know when we uh, uh, the, the you know that the fear and insecurity when uh, Adam and Eve were discovered and and they were naked and they hid themselves. That that's when 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 we're when we're exposed when we're uh, insecure when we have fear. I think that's, you know, when people, the most intimate knowledge um, of really being known and we may not be accepted for who we really are, that's a, here's what happens. That leads to self-protection, which leads to hiding. We saw that again in, 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 the, in the garden. They hmm. cover themselves up. And then what does that mean? You're not being the real you. And then that, so self-protection, hiding, not being the real you, that can lead to covering secret sins over time that can it can happen and and that are and some of those some of those some of those are nothing more than you you don't want you don't want people to really know you but sometimes they're serious issues that are difficult to recover from on your own and honestly i find one of the simplest one of the first and simplest and easiest ways to remedy that and to prevent a major life mistake is to just talk to somebody, <laughs> to just literally talk to somebody, let yourself be known, pursue that connection and authenticity that really brings us freedom. It just brings us freedom. Um, there's, the, there's a spot, I'm pretty sure, almost certain in, 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 the, in that devotion for that, 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 uh, on that topic. Um, 
a, a pastor said one time a rather shocking sort of statement the first time I heard it. And then after I soaked and I thought, you know what? That's just a brilliant way to communicate a powerful truth. When he said, he said, we're only as sick as our secrets. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. And health and life comes from it, bringing it out into the light. And sometimes I believe that's the that's 51% of the battle if we just expose it. I think that's so right. Um, and I think it's easy for a chapter like this, named something like this, Break Free from Secrets, to come down in a harsh way. I don't uh-huh. know if that's the right word, judgmental way and a like, go get right with God right now mm-hmm. or else kind of a way. That is not that is not what you did here. And that is not what Psalm 139 is about. So can you just kind of talk about how you how you landed this? You didn't land this idea with a closed fist, if I could say it that way. Oh, you you no, no. more landed it with a hug. So could you speak to that? Yeah, well, part of it's already been <laughs> revealed by you two. That's that's not my heart. You know, I'm not a right. iron fist guy. I'm I'm really a, a pastor with passion for leadership. So, uh, the the heart and the landing really is. Um, well, first of all, who of us is has not who of us has not slipped, slid, slidden, fallen, whatever? Who of us has not struggled with something? But really, it's about grace. It's about the fact that God knows you and loves you. And I promise for everyone listening, there are people who love you, know you and love you just as you are completely unconditionally. Uh, I, I promise that's true, more so than when you than you know. And the, the beauty of knowing that, I'll, I'll tell you, we have a, I don't know if you guys know, but I have my first grandchild and uh, her, she's a beautiful, Ooh. adorable little girl, two years old. Congrats on that. Yes. And now we just learned my daughter, same daughter of my granddaughter, is pregnant again with twins. So, oh, oh wow. Yeah. So they're going to have three under three. And, and, uh, wow. but I'll tell no, you something. No, you're going to have three under three, Dan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I will. I, you got that right because I know who will be helping. So I have to tell you this. When I go over there, they come over, and her name is Anza. And she sees me and she just runs to me and says, Papa, I can't tell you how it feels, maybe from my background, I don't know, to, to know that she just knows, she knows, she just accepts me, loves me genuinely, authenticity, you know, with there's a purity, there's an innocence, there's something about being fully and completely accepted and loved. And that's how I think God loves all the church leaders we know. It's just, it's just unconditional, it's innocent, it's pure, and, and, uh, and I think we, the more we get a taste of that, the more hungry we are and the more courageous we are to break free from any secret that might hold us captive rather than being loved and embraced by those close to us in the human realm and certainly by our Heavenly Father. Can I just, for one second, now I'm pulling a Jeff, okay? But what you just said is something I've realized as a father— but I think so often we think God loves us the way we love our children, mm-hmm. which is true. But you flipped it right there, Dan. Yeah, and I think yeah. you flipped it in a very important way, um, a very important way that has made a huge difference in my life that I want to highlight. You said your little granddaughter. 
that's the way it's not you love her the way God loves us, right? Although you do, I'm sure, but she loves you the way God loves you. That just full blown, you know, she looks at you and she just sees the whole world, right? She just sees the best, the best, Um, and to believe that God loves us like that is a very different thing than God loves us the way we love our children because our children can drive us crazy, right? (laughs) To believe what you just said, holy cow! um, Wow. And God already knows the secrets, right? And so he, he knows to lean in and embrace uh, that kind of love. It is a uh, world-altering kind of a thing, I think. So thanks for thanks so much for sharing that, Dan. That is um, that was really beautiful. Thank you. I'm glad it was helpful or hopefully helpful. Yeah. I've never thought about that, Dan. And our number eight grandchild is coming in July. Oh wow. And uh, the oldest one is only five, so they're they're pretty close together. I've got one particular little granddaughter who just is, you know, the little flower petal. And mm. she walks in and she sees me and she just very quickly makes her way over and she wants to get picked up because she wants to be in Papa's arms. Yeah. But like Johnny said, I, I've never turned that around. I've never really thought about that. In that, that is a great thought. But I've often thought, why don't we get that? Why don't we see that the love that we can have as humans together and as family together, that why then can't we receive God's love sometimes mm-hmm. or believe that it's really there as genuinely and authentically? So, Dan, you also said uh, one of the chapters that you really enjoyed writing, maybe had a passion to express was the wage war on worry. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you quote from Matthew 6, the seek first his kingdom passage on that. So, uh, I mean, I never, I don't really deal with worry at all. I'm, I'm pretty faith filled, but for others, for those who do deal with worry, <laughs> yes. what do you have to say about this chapter? Yes. Well, I, maybe I have a spiritual gift to worry. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, as XPs, we tend to have to think about all those things and plan uh, B and all the, you know, and, 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 uh, and by the way, when I speak of this, uh, we're, I know we're lighthearted here, but there's some truth here too, uh, about worry. And when I, but when I speak about, it, let me, let me do put it in a categoric way. Uh, I'm not talking about a clinical sense of worry that's got you with a non-functioning. I'm talking about, you know, first acknowledging that essentially worry is a waste of time and we know it. However, we still worry about stuff. I do. Mm -hmm. I worry about my kids. I worry, you know, the twins are coming. My son just moved back to Southern California and we worry about our kids. We worry about problems at the church. We worry about money stuff. We worry about health issues. And I don't think that's a faith thing, a lack of faith. I think that's just human. But we worry about the little things, we worry about the big things, but mostly we worry about things that never happen. Mm. And I think that's the issue that I want to write about. It's a waste of time, even though I do it, we do it, um, whatever, whatever it might be. I have a story in that, in that one about growing up in Southern California. I was born and raised in San Diego. And, and I'm and I'm quite follically challenged, <laughs> and so, so uh, growing up in San Diego, uh, I've I've had skin cancer on top of my head twice, and and both times had a credible dermatologist who used a surgical procedure called Mohs, and the short version is declared me all clear. Nevertheless, <laughs> the first time I got it, I worried about would I get it again, 
And guess what? This, I got it again. And the second time I got it, I started worrying about a third time. Mm-hmm. You see the pattern. And what if I get mm-hmm. it again? And see, a better remedy, a more biblical, I mean, more a, be- a better remedy is to use sunblock, <laughs> wear a hat, and get on with life. You, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 because uh, th- it's just a waste of time. Um, so here's th- I'm going to give you three little three little thoughts on this one. I think worry, I write about this because it's just real. And I think worry erodes your trust in God. Um, While I'm clearly saying no guilt, no pressure, no thing here, because we're just human beings. um, But I have to say theologically that it's difficult to have deep faith when you worry because they're contradictory concepts. I think worry is focused on something undesirable that might happen. Faith is focused on the potential for a positive outcome based on God's provision. So they 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 don't they don't sit together well. That's why we get and the reason for that is, I mean the outcome of that is anxiousness. When 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 I worry about something that I shouldn't be, uh, but again, human, we got to give ourselves room to be human. Then then I'm crowding out God's desire to say, I, I really have that. I, I got that. <laughs> um, right. And then I think, I think second, worry dilutes your ability to serve and give yourself to others. Um, hmm. Worry like an illness shrinks your world. Um, here's the illustration. When you get really, really sick, my son, just his first day, you know, you got food poisoning. When you get really, really sick, you focus on yourself. Well, that's understandable. You're not selfish. That's understandable. You have to focus on yourself because all you can do is just get better right now so that you can, once again, serve others. But a worry can actually shrink you in that way. Maybe not that much, but it can shrink you. And then I think third, last, I think that worry zaps you of physical, emotional, and mental energy. It's kind of like leaving a, a flashlight permanently on. The batteries were designed to go a long time, but not all the time. And and so uh, I I just, I wanted to write this, and of course I wrote a lot more in in this entry, about just helping us get honest about worry. And and then I talked about a few things we could do about it. And what would be those things? I was going to say, do you want to tell us the things? Sure, but I'm out of time and I got to go. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Get <laughs> get the book. Yeah, get, that's right. That's right. You have to get the book. No, I'll, I'll give you two or three things. Uh, I think the first thing we do, not unlike, guys, it just struck me, not unlike the one we talked about, you know, uh, uh, the secrets, is just confess what you're worried about. Just tell somebody. Get, get somebody you who knows you and loves you and, and just um, have, have a cup of coffee. Just think, i got to tell you something I'm worried about. Sometimes just hearing yourself, you realize, I don't think it's that, I don't think it's something I should worry about. Or, or tell God. I mean, but lots of times uh, yeah, I find it easier to tell God a worry. It's the opposite of, of, of secret sins. I find it uh, more more difficult. Uh, I've had, I mean, I, it's, it's easier to tell God something you worry about than a friend because you don't want to be embarrassed or feel you have your pride yeah. struck. You know what I mean? That you right, yep. hold this thing. But but tell a friend, just talk about it. Second, take action on what you can change. See, if if 
like, you know, I think I'm sick. Well, call a doctor, go find out, you know, do what you can do. See, what you can't change isn't a problem. It's a fact of life. So adapt, don't worry about it, adapt. Um, and then third, this is a, comes from another long personal story that we don't have time for today, but, but the, the principle, the thing I learned from this uh, thing many, many years ago is let God carry what you can't carry. One of my very favorite quotes is when you've done all that you can do, go to bed. God is, <laughs> God is still up. God is still, <laughs> when you've done all that you can do, go to bed. God is still up. Don't mm. try to handle everything yourself. Don't try to handle the tough things yourself. God promised us in both Testaments, he will never forsake us. He will never leave us. And and then he's given us friends. We don't have to try to do these things that we worry about alone. We just don't. Yeah. One of the most insidious things about worry is it will eat your time, not just from worrying, but you'll start to try to plan contingencies on the things you're worried about. And then those things never happen and you've just wasted all that time. You've wasted, <laughs> you all wasted the time worrying and the wasted the time planning and prepping for eventualities that didn't come uh, at all. So at all. I, that's well said. Yeah. Dan, I want to be respectful of your time. You've you've given us an hour. Do you have any parting shots for um, <laughs> pastors out there listening, church leaders? I have my, Here's one for them, buy the book. Um, but what else, Dan, do you have a parting shot for, for our listeners? Oh, you, you know, that's a dangerous question to me who can talk un, unending. My wife says, Dan, Dan you, you, I, I, say, I always say, she goes, hon, you have to tell the truth. Because I, I always say things like, I just have one more thing. She says, hon, you never just have one more thing. <laughs> so uh, I think I just want to say that that for the church, for those of you who are the senior pastors, for those of you who are on staff, and for those of you who are wonderful, faithful, godly uh, volunteer leaders, what you're doing really matters. And I just thank you for it, encourage you to keep going. And if, if I could share something, you know, now 40 years in, in my 60s, um, just don't try to do this alone. That's why I wrote the devotional. Um, it's just an excuse to help you sit down with God and to do that kind of in a leadership format to help you go the distance um, and, to, and to feel God's presence and to feel God's power, power and to know He's with you because we know He's with us biblically. We know He's with us theologically. We know He's with us uh, intellectually. We know that, but sometimes we wonder, God, are you you see what the mess is here? Do you are you actually with me? You know, like Moses, go, who's going with me? And he is with you in a very real way. Dan, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for writing this book. I noticed in the middle of the of the back cover, it just says this statement: bring the fullness of God to your leadership. And what you said earlier that you could grow a church without the Holy Spirit. I mean, you could grow a crowd right. anyway, right. right? Without the work of the Spirit. Uh, but when you do bring the fullness of God to your leadership, you may have great leadership, but bring God into it. It's it's then it's it's sanctified. Yeah. It's actually going to change lives. Hey, thank you so much. And uh, this, of course, obviously won't be the last time. Uh, but we've dotted the the times we've had you over the last few years. I looked in 2016, 2019, and now now. So. Boy, the years are just flying by. So. They are. 
And we just keep getting better looking, don't we? Come on. <laughs> that's, why, that, that's why we only do audio. <laughs> <laughs> that's Absolutely. exactly right. That's Absolutely. Exactly right. Johnny, thanks for joining us yeah, today. It was a blast. I think I missed last time with you, Dan. So I was glad to, glad to be on. I'm glad that you are too. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.